Are you ready? Yeah, you think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. Break it down! Gen Nation fam, what is up? What is happening? It's week seven. We're coming at you. It's the DJ Nation podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Williams. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan Alexander underscore W. I'm joined by my usual co-host, the usual suspects, the godfather himself, Mr. Kevin Steele at Fantasy Rat 13 is where you can find him on Twitter. And Maddie DFS on Twitter, Maddie Dickinson, Maddie Ice, Maddie Moneybags. What's going on, fellas? How are we doing? You guys ready for week seven? I don't know about you guys, but I am. I'm I'm so glad that uh, DraftKings and, well, I don't really play on FanDuel, but FanDuel as well. I'm glad they're leaving that Arizona-Seattle game that got moved to Sunday Night Football yes. on the main slate because we finally get to go back to a week of late-night hammers. We yes. have not had Sunday Night Football on the main slate in a while, and, man, it is such a fun sweat when you're either in contention with a couple guys left or – you know, you are fading a certain player because you're at the top and there's that one guy you're fading in, in the last game of the night. And it's just like it's it's a fun island game sweat. So I'm glad there's late night hammers back this week. Man, the ultimate late night hammer. Throw it back to the Sunday night primetime being on the slate. Kev, how you feeling about this slate? You ready to lock and load these lineups? Hell yeah. I, love, I mean, I fucking Week six wasn't over yet, and I was talking about week seven already. So man, I couldn't I've, believe I've that <laughs> you were in the DMs on the Chiefs Bills game. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good slate. Yeah, we were building. We were building for the Chiefs Bills, uh, the, the the double header. And Kev goes, "Man, week seven's awesome." I'm like Kev, it's Monday morning. We've got a double header, and it's an awesome double header. He's like, right. "I don't care. Week seven is awesome." <laughs> I'm like Kev. Tell me who I should be playing: Robinson or Hardman? Like, let's go. <laughs> Oh, man, that's fun, fun. Well, thank you guys for joining us. We appreciate all you guys. It's the DGen Nation podcast. If you don't know by now, we are DGen Nation pod on Twitter. If you guys are listening to us, we really appreciate that. Um, make sure you guys are subscribing to the podcast on your podcasting softwares, liking and or rating and reviewing the show, and then liking the videos. If you guys are watching us on YouTube, Periscope, Twitch now, um, we really appreciate all the interaction and love that we're that we're getting from you guys. And we're out here to get this money. So without even any further ado, let's just get into this week seven slate. And Maddie, you kind of hit it on the head, man. I mean, we kind of got saved with the slate, right? I mean, we got an ultimate just bananas game that we're expecting to see on Sunday night um, with Arizona and Seattle facing off against each other and that high total that it is. And, you know, now that it is on the night slate, I feel like it's going to affect ownerships in some regards. I mean, there's so many people who 
for whatever reason, I don't know if it's a mentality thing or what, they're building their lineups and you just can't what you just can't have your stacks be later, right? You need to have the instant gratification of seeing your teams in the green early on to, you know, think about, oh my gosh, I have to have this person get X amount of points to compete or to to cash or oh, what if this, you know, what if this happens? And people just get so in their minds, not even thinking about it from okay, cape everything aside and just is that game great you know we just saw minnesota and seattle two weeks ago and if that game would have been on the main slate that is money that is money for everybody coming in and stacking that up and they are expensive so it should be interesting but um it's going to be a fun one and we got some other games uh on the on the slate as well that we definitely need to touch on and you know how how we do it here at the dj nation if you're just now joining us or if you've been here before we talk about it position by position so let's talk about this quarterback situation that we have coming in here in the quarterback slate just as a whole right and so we got Russ versus Kyler we already talked about that you got Matthew Stafford going against Matt Ryan Matt Ryan just was helping people win GPPs take down GPPs if they didn't have a Deshaun Watson or Ryan Tannehill stack Matt Ryan gets Julio back and now it's all good right the numbers with Julio have been great so you're looking at that game that game should be nice you got Patrick Mahomes on the slate. They just struggled against Buffalo. Now they get to go against Denver, a team, even though it's on the road. He's had a ton of success against Denver and their zone defense that they run out there. So, you know, it's always Patty Mahomes. He can always throw up 30 in in an instant. And then Josh Allen, he gets to go against the Jets. And it's everybody against the Jets. It was a little frustrating last week. Um, I, you know, liked Ryan Fitzpatrick. We talked about him on the pod. He was only 5,400 or something crazy, maybe 5,900. And I thought it was just an excellent, you know, play. But the pivot was Miles Gaskin. And he really didn't get there because Fitzpatrick did all his work early. Throwing to tight. I mean, Adam Shaheen, touchdown. Uh, the other backup tight end. He gets a touchdown. Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's running it in. Doing all crazy stuff. And so you got to think that Josh Allen here. He's been struggling late, but he's 7,700 on the slate and he could get a bounce back spot here. So um, and then you got like Teddy Bridgewater going against uh, Drew Brees in New Orleans. So a lot of fun matchups that we have in the slate. So my question to you guys and Maddie, I'll let you kick it off here. Where are you thinking about going with quarterback? Well, who's going to be your anchor for your week seven lineups? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the, the Arizona Seattle game is is one of the most important games of the week, getting that game right. Uh, I mean, it comes into the second highest total of the slate right behind Green Bay and Houston uh, at 56 points, uh, close spread. And it's just you've got two running quarterbacks there, too. So it's not even like, you know, you have to figure out which uh, speaking of running quarterbacks, we're watching Daniel Jones just rip off a 90 yard run and he falls and got sniped by the turf monster. But anyways, um, yeah, so you've got Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, two rushing quarterbacks there. Uh, Wilson's 8K, though. So, you know, I, th- I think a lot of people are going to flock to Murray for 900 less, and, and I think it makes a ton of sense. Uh, we we kind of had the, the discussion with Kevin last week when we talked about Lamar being in a really good spot, but he was 7,700, and he ended up scoring 31 points, which is, you know, that that's great. But at the end of the day, 31 points didn't get me anywhere because uh, Deshaun Watson and – Matt Ryan and all these other guys who are cheaper, they, they scored the same or more points. So that's the the key to these, you know, these slates is finding the cheapest quarterback and stack that you can, that is going to match the, the, the high end price guys that we know are going to crush. So, I mean, looking at Kyler Murray at 7,100, a guy who can run, um, 
I know Seattle plays a lot of zone, so it's it's a little bit tougher for a quarterback to run against zone coverage. But, I mean, it's so easy to stack him up with either DeAndre Hopkins or Christian Kirk because we know those that's the two main spots the ball's going. So um, it's really easy to run it back on the other side, too. I, I really like Chris Carson. I think a lot of people are going to, um, you know, run it back with a, a Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf. We can talk about Carson when we get to the running backs, but it's – you know, Kyler Murray and then being different with your Seattle run back is, I think, the way to go with that game um, and how I'm going to approach that to, to get off the chalk a little bit. Uh, then you've got – we talked about Green Bay and Houston being the highest total on the, on the weekend. Um, Aaron Rodgers and, and Deshaun Watson are priced right next to each other. The thing with Rodgers is I don't know how popular he's going to be because, he one, he just dud, put up a dud last week. But, two, when you look at the Green Bay offense – there's two, two, you know, any given week, either Aaron Jones can go out and rush for four touchdowns or Aaron Rodgers can throw four touchdowns. And so it's like when people are playing Aaron Jones, they're like, oh, well, I'm, I'm playing Aaron Jones. I don't want to play Aaron Rodgers. And so I think Aaron Rodgers could come in lower owned because of that. And if that's the case, you know, I, I do want some Aaron Rodgers exposure this weekend, even though the, the path for Deshaun Watson on the other side is pretty clear that, you know, if, if Houston's going to score, it's going to be because of Watson. So I think those two games are, are very important. And I'll, I'm curious to hear you guys' takes on, on Detroit-Atlanta because I think that's the third key game, you know, where it's two defenses that don't really play defense. And, two, you know, Matt Ryan, he's been good, especially since they fired Quinn. But um, Stafford on the other side, like how many times do we keep playing this guy and he just throws the ball 31 times in these right in these pass funnel spots against bad pass defenses. Like it's at some point is is Stafford either going to come out and just keep Chuck and start chucking or like, are we just writing Stafford off? Kev, you were, you were the one who wrote Stafford down this week. I can't, I can't keep going back to the well, but you're looking at the pieces, right? And I mean, look at the quarterbacks that have faced this team. I mean, even last week, Kirk Cousins, this is a guy who people don't want to play in DFS because he's just terrible and he's not very, you know, he doesn't have the volume either, but it was a good spot for him. He throws three interceptions before he gets any touchdowns. Then he gets three touchdowns and all of a sudden changes the slate because Thielen's getting there. Jefferson's getting there. So like you're looking at Kenny Galladay and I'm looking at, you know, what wide receiver ones are doing to this team this matchup against Kendall Sheffield, like how is this dude not going to smash on Sunday? And so if Kenny Galladay smashing, you know, you definitely think we could get Matthew Stafford getting there, but he is, is not. And he hasn't had a 300 yard game all season. Um, and they're just fine with just, you know, being okay. You know, it's not, you're not getting like, even a Gardner Minshew where the team's dead, he's still passing the ball. Like Car- Carson Wentz with Philly, no weapons there. He's still passing the ball, chucking it on the field. So it, it is hard to trust him. But Kev, Matthew Stafford was your one of your guys this week. So, um, you know, can you talk some, maybe some sense and shed some light onto him being the play this week? Yeah, man, I think he's a fantastic play. Last week had more to do with the fact that they just didn't really have to throw the ball that much against Jacksonville. They got up early, and every time they got down to the goal line, which was multiple times, they were able to just punch it in with the running back. So I, that takes away from some of you know what he did last week. I think that makes people think that he had a bad game, and he really didn't. He just kind of played his role. They didn't really need to throw the ball as much, and you know they were able to run run all over them. I don't think that's going to be the same thing that's going to happen with Atlanta this week. Atlanta is certainly a much better offense. 
uh, you know, as we've seen that they've been able to, you know, get ahead themselves. Um, you know, they just have not been able to close out games as well. Uh, obviously, they were able to do so last week against the Vikings. But so I think this is kind of a back and forth game here. And I think if that's going to happen, that's that's a perfect environment for Matthew Stafford. And there's some other things to take into consideration. Like, you know, Kenny Galladay was banged up earlier in the year. Now he is completely healthy. So I think I think that this offense and I hope that's what people look at Matt Stafford this week and say, you know, I'm not playing him. I'm not going to go down that road again because he had, I mean, he's only, he only has one 20 point fantasy performance that was against new Orleans in week four. Um, other than that, it's been 16, 16, 18 and 12, but I just think all everything's aligned here um, for Matthew Stafford. And if people aren't going to want to play him, that's fine with me. So are you, are you, I'm just playing devil's advocate here. Are you concerned their game against New Orleans, I know they that he threw two touchdown passes really early. I played him that week, and I was like, oh, man, this is – you know, I'm going to get a five-touchdown game here. Um, and then they ended up going down, like, very quickly to New Orleans after that, and they were playing catch-up, and he still only threw the ball 31 times. And then you look at the Green Bay game where they lost by 21 points, and he only threw 33 times. Like, are you concerned with the volume at all? Because, I mean, you look in week one when they played that shootout with Chicago, he threw 42 times. So, like, I guess it doesn't have to be like a back and forth game and not a game where it's just like a blowout. Like, I don't I don't know. I like I just can't wrap my head around what's going to get me to that 40 pass attempt Stafford game, because we've seen them play a couple games from behind so far and the volume just hasn't been there. But the matchup is incredible this week. Yeah, and I mean, I, th- I think, again, I mean, I think some people are viewing it as, like, Matt Stafford's been bad, and he hasn't. Like, that's, that's not really yeah. been the problem. It's just they just haven't had to throw the ball as much. Mm-hmm. Even in the Arizona game, they were ahead uh, for, for a lot of that game as well. So they, they've been in some really positive game scripts, so they really haven't been pushed like that to have to throw the ball. And against New Orleans, you know, he still threw three touchdowns. He just didn't get there in the passing game or in the passing yard department, but he's going to have the full allotment of his weapons. So I just think there's a lot to like here with this entire offense. So – no, I'm not afraid to go back to Matt Stafford, and especially at his price. Like I, I, I don't hate it. So, um, I don't really like once you get past the 6K range of quarterbacks. I just don't like anybody that that's really down there. Outside of maybe if you want to play Teddy Bridgewater, that's probably the list for me. Maybe Joe Burrow. I guess uh, you could yeah. probably tell me a story about that. But other than that, I I don't want any fucking part of most of these guys. I, you know, I think if you are want to get super contrarian, Drew Locke could make some sense against Kansas city because of the fact that they're going to have to uh, likely be trailing. They're not going to be able to run the ball. They're going to have to throw the ball a ton. No fan will be back this week. Tim Patrick has looked okay. Jerry Judy. So they have weapons. We've seen teams like the Raiders, uh, you know, really uh, stick it to the chiefs. It feels like this year, the chiefs, like in big games, they, I mean, they, they come ready to play. We saw it against Baltimore. We saw it against the, the bills. And then it's like these games that the, that, you know, that I think that most people look at them as like, what are they, nine, ten-point favorites? And that's kind of how they go in there and they play those games. And they, they, they kind of get beat upside the head a little bit sometimes. So if you wanted to play Drew Locke, I think you could do it. Uh, I probably won't have him, but I just think it's like, a, you know, a contrarian play at 5,100 if you're wanting to get in some of these other guys, you could. But for me, like my favorite spot this week is in that six, uh, really these upper-tier uh, quarterbacks, which is different because I just like to try to pay down a quarterback. But – Justin Herbert at 6,400. I love that. The only concern there is, again, you know, if they get up big on them, um, or do they still continue to throw the ball? But they've done that multiple times this year, and he's got there through the air. You know, against the Bucks, they had that huge lead against them. They've seemed to be a team that blows a lot of leads, and that is where they're at. But Justin Herbert has been a baller 
so far this year. And this is probably one of his best matchups he's had all year at 6,400. And he's using his legs. He is cheaper than Matt Stafford. Um, I like Aaron Rodgers. I think this is probably a big bounce back week for Aaron Rodgers on the road against Houston. Houston is absolutely atrocious. I think for me, it's it's going to be Herbert, Stafford, and Aaron Rodgers. You know, I will have. I'll figure out a way to get to have maybe um, a little bit of exposure to Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray. But to be honest with you, Kyler though, it has really been carried by his legs. I mean, his rushing ability yeah. is really what's carried him in fantasy football this year because he hasn't been great as a thrower. He hasn't necessarily no. had to in some of these games because they've been able to kind of control everything. It's going to be interesting to see now if, especially if Russell Wilson and the Seahawks were able to kind of get up quickly on them and how this how this turns out for Kyler because that's really been Kyler's saving grace has, has been his rushing ability. Because without that, we'd probably be talking about something completely different about Kyler Murray and how bad he's looked this year. Yeah, no, I, I and I totally agree with you, Kev, but from that rushing ability standpoint, I mean, what you're oh, getting – with this kid is unbelievable, you know, and he's priced at 7,100 here in a matchup where you have to think like, okay, so if Seattle starts going up and, and you're talking about it, Maddie, like the pivot with Chris Carson or whatever, like they could get a big play from Metcalf or, you know, big, big play from Lockett, or maybe it's David Moore getting a score. Like they're going to need Kyler to just move the ball. And we, we saw it uh, in the game against the Cowboys, like when it's, you know, broken down and he can't hit DeAndre Hopkins, who's wide open or, you know, hitting Andy Isabella on a deep route, like, okay, fine. I don't see anything I like. So I'm just going to take off and run because these dudes cannot catch me. I mean, it's just laughable what that guy is doing to opposing defenses. And so from a DFS standpoint, you, you just love that. I mean, we're looking at this game tonight, Thursday night, with, you know, Carson Wentz, he's getting rushing equity in the end zone, you know, paying off, and he's not even throwing the touchdown. Then Daniel Jones rushing off for an 80-yarder. I mean, these these guys who have the legs, they just have so much upside to play them with. And at 7,100, um, I just think he just makes a, just so much of a good value that you don't even necessarily have to pay him or play him with DeAndre Hopkins. You know, we talk about stacking the quarterback with the wide receiver all the time, but he's doing so much on his own. And like last week, Maddie, you played Lamar. Like that kind of worked out to a certain extent. You had Mark Andrews with them, which didn't really make you feel good. But him getting 31, you play him. You don't have to worry about anybody else. That's solid. And so I definitely like that from Kyler. And the two guys that you talked about, Kev, under 6K, like those are two guys that I'm looking at playing in tournaments. You know, I'm looking at Teddy Bridgewater, and it doesn't make me feel good necessarily on – on really playing him and thinking about it. But when you put the pieces around him and I'm like, okay, so like the, how, how is Carolina scoring? Okay. Robbie Anderson, uh, DJ Moore, Mike Davis, like they got like 90% of the touchdown equity scoring that's going on there. Okay. I can feel good with that stack on a run back with Camara, or you're looking at Drew or Joe Burrow, who's in a game with Cleveland and just how much times he's throwing. And they've already played once this year already. And we kind of saw what we got. Like if Kareem Hunt goes nuclear or, or goes off in that game, because the running backs torched them before and Cincinnati can be torched on the ground. Uh, Joe Burrow could be leaned on again, maybe not for 60 passing attempts like before, but you're looking at that equity there. Joe Mixon's on the injury report. So we got to monitor that. But then you got Tyler Boyd, you got, Maybe AJ Green, if he's not dead or whatever, maybe he came back and then T Higgins. So I'm love, you know, and Drew Sample's dead too. So I'm loving getting to exposure with quarterbacks where I know that they're either making these making plays or that if they're in a game environment that's going to 
cause, you know, cause them to be relied on a lot. You know, I want to play them. Like I don't really have, you know, even Drew Brees on the other side and Michael Thomas is banged up uh, in that Carolina game. So we'll have to monitor that. Now he's, you know, he seemed healthy, got the discipline. Now he's got a hamstring injury. It's like, Jesus Christ, can he get healthy? But Drew Brees is 6,100. But how many times have we said he's like dead? Like the arm just isn't there. And I don't really want to pay for him necessarily because Kamara could just take all the work and that could be done. Like Tom Brady's now on the slate. Like I'm not paying for him. Deshaun Watson, he's in a good spot. And, you know, we'll talk about that with the wide receivers. But, you know, Will Fuller is going to be covered by one of the best corners graded out of the season with Jair Alexander. So um, I'm looking for ways to kind of, you know, play these game environments where I can get all the equity. And, and Maddie, I know you talked about that um, in the chat before, just like the game environments and kind of what they present themselves with and pace up spots. And I'm looking at that Cleveland Cincinnati game and that's sticking off at the page for me as far as pace. Do you think it's crazy though that Drew Brees is sixty one hundred? I mean, on a normal, yeah. I feel like in, in previous years, like especially in a matchup against Carolina, who's easily exploitable through the yep. air, like he would be like a seven K seventy four hundred price quarterback at sixty one hundred. Like, and if he's going to carry you no know, ownership, it's, it's going to largely depend for me is if <clears throat> uh, Michael Thomas is back this week. Because I I do wonder if this is Michael Thomas like trying to stick it to the Saints after them after <laughs> them uh, suspending him because it just seems weird that all of a sudden there's a rogue hamstring injury out of nowhere from him, but if he does play, I, I just think that I mean that's a pretty cheap stack that you can get to with Breeze Thomas and even Kamara added into that and then run it back with like a DJ Moore at what DJ Moore's what fifty six hundred or something like that this week yeah um, something around there I'm looking right the th- now the, the thing is yeah. With him too is that, and I know you know, like Will in the chat saying, "No, he's washed." I don't give a shit if he's washed. Like, it, he, all he has to do is be able to hit Michael fucking Thomas to forty times a game for fucking slants. <laughs> On you know a four-yard I mean? slant route, yeah, hey, slant guard, slant guard, yes. Mike, baby, slant guard, Mike. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not worried about that, and that's that. That is why you think Drew, Drew Brees has got to bounce back is because of Michael Thomas, because right. of what Michael Thomas brings to the uh, bring to the table. And then you know with the dump off with Alvin Kamara, you know, get him in space and stuff like that. Like I don't need my I don't need Drew Brees chucking fucking forty yard bombs down the field to Traquan Smith or something like that anymore. Like he can still win, you know, playing the short game and getting Michael Thomas back opens everything up. Then you have Emmanuel Sanders. I just think it's gonna unlock this entire offense. And while I know I don't think that Drew Brees is gonna bounce back and all of a sudden turn back into the Drew Brees of a couple of years ago, he doesn't have to, and especially in this matchup with no ownership at sixty one hundred, that's just too cheap. Uh, for him in this matchup, and and what should be a de- or, you know relatively high scoring game as well. Um, so yeah, I, I just think it's a little tough to get uh, to, to get away from that. And because the Saints have the third highest implied point total this week too, they're at twenty nine point two five, twenty nine a quarter. Only the, only the Seahawks who are half a point and the Packers who are about a point and a half higher than them in terms of implied points this week. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I hear you, Kevin. You know, I do think a a, a point can be made too with these guys. You know, we keep talking about them and and Maddie, we were talking about Juju um, in the chat before earlier where we've seen people, we've seen them and Drew Brees for much longer. You know, we've seen them pop. We've seen, you know, Drew Brees at home in the dome, like you play him, but you know, maybe we're getting to a point now where, it, it just isn't there. And you're looking, you know, not to be a game log watcher, quote unquote, but you're looking at these numbers from Drew Brees and like, 
okay, so 300 yards against the Chargers when they needed, you know, to come back and win only one touchdown. The Green Bay game in week three, like just missed the 300 yard bonus, but still threw three touchdowns and only got 23 DraftKings points. Like it's that's just not going to get it done, especially when you're looking at this offense and saying like, okay, they they have Kamara. They have Latavius Murray. Both of these guys on the ground can smash Carolina with what they're giving up. Like that's just that's for sure. Take that to the bank. And uh, God forbid Taysom Hill gets in and takes away some work from Drew Brees. And you got to worry about that. There's so many factors with the Saints that Sean Payton's making us pull our hair out that we just can't trust Drew Brees is going to get all the equity that he used to get because they're attacking teams for so many different ways. Um, yeah, some of that's been taken out considering he's the what the 14th price quarterback this week. So yep, it's not like yep. you're paying top tier for him. So that's why I think it's interesting. And to, like if you think about it from the level of when they lost Michael Thomas, like who who was the guys that that you really felt like could win on a weekly base, gain separation and stuff like that in terms of their offense? Jared Cook was in and out of the offense. Right. They had no rapport whatsoever with Emmanuel Sanders because of no preseason and all this stuff. So I think that on some level, because we, we did see, I think he had what, like a 35, 40 yard pass that he hit uh, Jared Cook on a, on a dime to Jared Cook the last time they played, I think, on Monday Night Football. Uh, I think he still has something left in the arm. Like, I don't think he's like Alex Smith, but I, I do I do also think that some of the reason why we have seen them play the way they have is just because. They don't really have anybody like like that. I think that you're really worried about get you know um, getting separation from on the field and stuff like that. So I think some of that could be mass. So like yeah. I said, I do think if Drew Brees has you know he comes in at five six percent owned this week, I think I'm going to be over the field on that. That's that's fair, and and, and not, a lot needs to be said too, Kev, about your how you played the slate, right? Because you're you're MME player, like you you try and find the scenarios of what you want to target, get exposure to these guys, and and build around that. Um, which I I play like twenty max, so maybe on the same level as you, if not more. And then Maddie's playing three max, so when it comes to that and the exposures we want to have, like I I try and get a little bit tighter on what I can and can't you know, can come up with, especially this year in 2020, where I've, I was used to, you know, branching out to maybe six or seven quarterbacks. But now it's like, if you don't have the game stack, right, like those teams could just end up being dead. So I'd rather just target the guys who I know are in good spots. And, you know, especially at quarterback with the variance and, you know, live with that, I guess. Do you think this game though, does have somewhat of a feel of what last week's Tennessee and Houston game does? Cause that's what it feels like to me that it's very under the radar, I mean, I think there's pieces like people are going to want to play Kamara and, you know, maybe Michael Thomas, but that's about it. Like, I don't think people like everybody's going to want to play Arizona and Seattle or if not that it's going to be Green Bay and and Houston. Like everybody's going to I think that's where most of the ownership is going to come in. I don't think anybody's really going to be out there looking to game sack Carolina and the Saints. And I do think that this game, I mean, would anybody be surprised if it was a 31 to 38, 31 type game by the end of it? No, I don't think I would be. And so. I do think it has some, some definitely has upside or shootout potential, and it has you know one of the higher uh, point totals on the slate anyway. Right, for sure. Uh, that, no, go ahead, uh, Maddie. You go ahead. I was just going to say the the concern for that game for me is is the pace side of things. So you've got when you talk about ten, the Tennessee Houston game. So Tennessee, like we talked about pre show, Tennessee is running more no huddle this year. They're forcing the opposing team to run more plays because of how fast they're playing on their own side. Whereas you've got teams like Carolina and New Orleans. New Orleans ranks 25th in pace 
when it's a one score game and Carolina, uh, they rank 11th. So, I mean, Carolina can speed it up a little bit, but then you look at when Carolina has been trailing by more than seven points, they rank 29th. So it's like, as they start losing more, they kind of take their time and don't like try to hustle up, which is kind of weird, but I don't know. I just, that game has a feel to me where if new Orleans gets up early, they're just going to lean, especially if Michael Thomas isn't playing, they're just going to lean on Latavius Murray and Alvin Kamara on the ground. And then you've got Carolina who isn't going to really try to, you know, speed things up if they're, if they're trailing on the other side. I do think, you know, the defenses, New Orleans defense isn't that great in, in terms of defending the pass. They're really good at defending the run. So I do think if Carolina has success, you know, it's going to be Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. Um, right. And then on the other side, New Orleans, like Carolina has been worse defending the run and they've been better defending the pass. So, you know, it's going to be Kamara and, and Murray. So that game just, to me, it just shapes up to, it just, it, all the stars align for New Orleans to play from in front pretty easily. But I will say, you know, that if Carolina's behind, you absolutely definitely – I mean, you want to have exposure to, to DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, at least as one-offs, um, because of their price. 5600 and 6 k for those two guys is, right. I think, too cheap for Ryan. Like you said, it's it's a three-man offense, right? So you know you know where all the production's coming from. And if you think they score 24 to 27 points, the likely one of those guys has 100 yards and a touchdown or something like that. So I, right. I don't know. I, I – I, kind of fell in love with that game originally, but after kind of digging into the more, you know, behind the scenes stuff of like pace and stuff, it, it just seems to me like a game where New Orleans will want to control the clock and, and just run the ball as much as they can. And Carolina's not going to be anxious to, you know, speed things up on their side, but I could be wrong, but. I, I just think for me, I, I, guess, I guess for me to wrap it up, it would just be, it really, the key for me is going to be if Michael Thomas plays, because if he doesn't play, then, I, sure. then I have much less, <clears throat> then I much less want to play him uh, or, or attack this game like that. I'd like to have some one-offs. I'm definitely going to have Kamara. I'll probably have some DJ Moore and some Robbie Anderson, but that's going to be about it. Like I don't, I wouldn't really want to game stack it. So it's really going to come down to how my, what, if Michael Thomas plays, because Michael Thomas is what? 7,600. I think is was what yeah. it was, which yes. is fucking ridiculous. Cause normally Michael Thomas is nine K. So 7,600 by Michael Thomas. Right. I'm all about that life. No, definitely. And, and, you know, I will just say that the Carolina offense of those pieces, those four main guys, that comes in at 24,000, I believe, in the salary. So, you know, you're looking at four guys, you get them for 24,000 of a 50K salary that we're trying to build around, not even half. That's crazy for for that when you're not even factoring the defense is going to be way cheaper. Um, if you're not playing Bills or whoever the hell is up there at 4,700. I saw that's crazy. Um all right, yeah, but yeah, we're still we're still in Carolina and in uh, New Orleans. Let's move it over to running backs. And like we got Kamara on the slate; he's seventy nine hundred. Probably going to be the guy this week that people try and jam in. And and you know, Maddie, I had you go first, and I kind of want Kev to kind of talk about his plays first. But I do want to talk about we we talked in the chat, our, our three man chat, just about Derrick Henry last week. And I know a lot was made about Derrick Henry and you know, was he the right play? Was he not the right play? And he doesn't catch passes and yada, 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 all that stuff. But but Suns were pointing there and and most people didn't want to play him because he was going to be 30% owned in tournaments. And like, you look at that and okay, maybe 30% is high, but like for what he got you, you know, which it was late, you needed overtime and needed a 90 yard run, but still that was in his range of outcomes and 30% didn't really feel that way. And so, you know, I kind of want to talk about this from a perspective of, we have Kamara here in a good spot. We got Aaron Jones in a good spot. You know, 
are their ownerships going to equate to just making them bad plays just off of the ownerships? Or are these guys just in such good spots that you need to really start here at running back? And, and Kev, I know you have both of those guys written down, so I'll, I'll let you start it off. But um, uh, yeah, I just I want to start it off with with those two guys at that conversation because they they really kind of make the slate here, I feel like, at running back with those two guys being the two that are priced over 7K that people are going to want to play. Let me let me just jump in real fast before Kev goes. From a strategy standpoint, I think mm-hmm. I think in the terms of you know the context of evaluating player ownerships, I think a lot of people mistakenly single out individual players and say, "Oh, this player is going to be thirty percent owned. I'm not going to play him." Or this player is going to be twenty five to thirty percent owned. I'm not going to play him. I think people need to look at their lineup as an entire lineup and say, "Okay, I've got these two guys." who are projected to be 25 to 30% owned, but I've also got these two guys who are projected to be 1% to 2% owned. If these 30% guys go off and my 1% guys go off, I'm. it doesn't matter that I played the 30% guys because my 1%ers are now vaulting my 30% lineup ahead of everybody else that played those two guys, if that makes sense. like You've got to look at your team as a whole build and say, okay, I've got a good mix of high-owned and low-owned guys in here. And I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily looking at Derrick Henry as should I play him at 30% or not? Like last week when I played him, it was in a game stack because I felt like, you know, my, my game stack was different than the field. But so let me put Derrick Henry in my game stack. You know, right. just, I just wanted to touch on that, that strategy in terms of, you know, evaluating ownership. I think, I think, you know, a lot of people make, have made that mistake, including myself until recently. It's just, I think focusing on your team as a whole is a much better focus. Sure. Sure. And and especially in tournaments where we're not, you know, really not excited about cash. And if you're playing tournaments, like you want to be able to take that shit down. Um, so it, even more imperative to have, you know, the game stack hit and, and be in that environment where all your points are coming from a certain amount of guys. Um, Kev, let, let's talk about these top two guys running backs. I know you have them both written down and uh, is that just, you know, exposure to one of them? Are you looking at builds where you can get both of them? Are they just in too good of spots to pass up? Because I, I you know, I, I kind of do want to play Camara, but only in game environments. I'm looking at Aaron Jones at 7,200 and I'm just like, I, I know I want to play him. Like I, I he's going to be on my lineups. He's, I, I hate to say a lock. It's Thursday. We're still building, but like just what he means to the offense and like how important he is in that role and just what is standing out on paper or going against Houston. Uh, I just want exposure to him. So talk to me about these two guys, Kev. I just think they're both in fantastic spots. They're both in great, great matchups. You know, Aaron Jones, 7,200. I, I still think that's, I don't know, probably a little bit too cheap for what he's what he's able to do. Um, he has 40-point upside um, every time he touches the field. He's the most efficient running back in the league. Uh, he's got to get pass-catching work. That was my problem last week with Derrick Henry, and that's why I often don't play Derrick Henry is because he just doesn't really have any pass-catching upside. And so his, his path to success has to be what he did last week, and that's 200 yards rushing and you know two or three touchdowns for him to really, to, for him to really smash because – He's never going to get you there and a pass out and and um, through through the air. And I, my thought too was last week is I felt like there was a possibility that Houston could get up early and game script Derrick Henry out of the game, and so that that was just my concern with Derrick Henry, and that's why I think I played Derrick Henry in one lineup. Like I, I had like no Derrick Henry last week, 
and I will probably just continue doing that every single week. I get why people played him, and I get he has that in his range of outcomes, but I'll bet against that he's probably not going to, you know, and for the most part, except for where he's priced, I just don't think he's ever worth that in my in my eyes, and I'll rather I'll go down with that ship a couple times a year when it, when it happens versus uh, playing a guy who just never gets any pass volume. But that's kind of the opposite for me for Aaron Jones, where Aaron Jones is the guy who's going to be heavily involved in the passing game. He is, like I said, the most efficient running back in the league, continues to be. So I think this is a great spot for him. Same thing with Kamara. Kamara could end up seeing 12, 13 targets in this game. And so I just think both of them are in fantastic spots. And that's where I will be starting off. I will have both of them, or at least one. I'll have one of them in every single lineup I build this weekend. What about, can I interest you in some Kareem Hunt? Yes. Yes, you can. Kareem Kareem Hunt is written down for Ryan this week. That is for sure. I love that game. Hit me. I love that game. I I mean, you're just looking at this spot. And and so Nick Chubb, and, you know, this is why they brought Kareem Hunt in, right? And so Kareem Hunt, he gets the Steelers last week, doesn't really get there. You know, and he's he's had some tough matchups. Uh, to start the season as far as running when when Nick Chubb went down but we saw what we've seen what Cincinnati is allowing to running backs over the year we saw him in this matchup already and you know who, who's in the backfield that's really going to spell him you know the Ernest Johnson's not really getting the work um, Baker Mayfield hasn't been able to get the ball to the receivers but still you're able to attack this team on the ground and this could be a game where they try and get Kareem Hunt those 20 touches if he is healthy I know he's dealing with the Q tag he's got a little injury banged up but even more even more reason why I like him this week too if he is ruled in there and nobody's really going to be thinking about that that game and and we just haven't you know even when Cincinnati they went up big last week against Indy and and, you know Philip Rivers is going to Philip Rivers but this is a divisional matchup I don't really necessarily see that happening here but you know he still is involved somewhat in the passing work Um, he's just been, you know, they were getting blown out in some of these other games, the Steelers game and and the week before that, where he just is completely like you, he's Baker has to throw to the wide receivers because they're so far behind. Um, but if this game is competitive, like we think it could be, if it's within seven, like Kareem Hunt is definitely going to get there and you love what he's providing in the, in the red zone. Um, with I think he has like somewhere around 18 attempts, but he's got four touchdowns, the same amount of as Aaron Jones, same amount as Alvin Kamara. Um, so you definitely love to see that. Yeah, I agree. I, I like Hunt a lot, and I think he's going to go overlooked too, and he should not against Cincinnati. I think the last couple of weeks, especially last week against Pittsburgh, I think he was just game scripted out. You know, they were down by 20-plus right. points right off the bat immediately. And so it's like at that point, why run a guy out there who's – for, you know, 20 to 25 touches if he is, you know, battling a little injury when you've got Dearness Johnson who can, you know, he can be used in the pass game to spell Kareem. So it's like, I just feel like, you know, this is a good spot for Hunt. And I think he's going to go overlooked with Aaron Jones right there and people paying up for Kamara as well. Um, so I definitely wanted to bring him up. Uh, my The other, yeah. I will say the other guy that I'm, that I'm interested in um well, you can play. I will say you can play Todd Gurley in game stacks with with Stafford on the other side. Uh, you can also play uh, Chris Carson in game stacks um, in the Seattle game. I like him. Arizona's actually given up, I think, the second most re- receiving yards to running backs this year. So it is kind of a, a good funnel spot for uh, pass catching running backs. And Carson's been heavily involved in that regard. 
But the other guy that I'm looking to play, regardless of you know game script, is is Antonio Gibson at 5K against Dallas. <laughs> I mean, if Kenyon, right. if Kenyon Drake can go for 160 after going for like 40 yards against Detroit and all these other good matchups that he's had, and he can now go for 160 against Dallas, like the Dallas defense is non-existent. They they just came out recently and said our coaches suck. Our coaches are never prepared. It's like there are so many internal issues going on in Dallas like some of these players I mean they're going to play for their paycheck but like the, especially the guys on defense they don't even care like, like the Christian Kirk touchdown the dude was wide open by like 20 yards <laughs> like the, the defense is so bad and I think Mc, McLaurin and, and Gibson are the two main guys on that Washington offense and they're both really cheap this week and uh, as of right now it looks like that Washington pieces those two guys are not going to be very high owned so um, you know, Gibson's continuing to get a lot of work both on the ground and, and in the air, and he's getting some high value touches near the goal line. So 5K, I think you can definitely do worse. Man, I, I've talked about Gibson, I feel like, on this pod at least three times already. <laughs> I, I hear you, Matty. I, you know, I was he's been in worse matchups, though, until now. Right. No, he has. And, and you know, this, this might not be necessarily a, a J.D. McKissick you know, where they, they necessarily need him. I mean, we'll see what, what's going on with this game, but the way that the Washington D plays and how Dalton's looking and that O-line is so banged up, um, you know, that maybe Washington finds themselves in, in you know, a rare form where they're playing with the lead or anything so, like that. It's crazy. Yeah, so Washington's, Washington's played Philly, a top run D. Mm-hmm. Cleveland, a top run D. Baltimore, uh, all around good defense. The Rams, and then the Giants, who have been a top run D. So, like, Washington has not had any good matchups for running the football yet. And Antonio Gibson is one of the more elusive running backs that we've seen in the league this year. And Dallas can't tackle anybody. Right. Like, I'm, I, I, I'm convinced you could give Jason Witten handoffs and he would run through the Cowboys defense. Like, that's how, <laughs> that's how bad they are. Oh, why you got to do Witten like that? Why you got to do him like that? Mr. Um, Catch and fall over. <laughs> he would have more missed tackles. That's so. That's cold, Maddie. That's cold. Kevin, you got a you got a cheap running back that you want to talk about there, and and then we had Will in the chat also asking about um, pivot off of Kamara to Latavius Murray. Any interest there? But I also wanted you to touch on your your play there, Kev. Your third play there at running back. Yeah, I mean, I just think yeah, he's he's way too cheap. Uh, there is some concern there. I mean, DeAndre Swift's fifty four hundred. There is some concern because last week he only played 37% of the snaps despite scoring 27.3. So I guess you might consider it a little bit point chasing, but he's been pretty solid for most of the season. It's a great matchup against Atlanta. Um, you know, uh, he had 14 carries last week at three receptions for 123 yards, and two touchdowns. I, I just think at 5,400, if you're wanting to save some salary at running back, like I, I do get the play of Paul or of uh, Antonio Gibson. Um <laughs> I was trying to bluster. You all right, Kev? <laughs> I just drew a blank. Uh, but I, I understand that play. Uh, the, there is the concern there for me that Washington falls behind and they turn to JD McKissick and JD McKissick starts to get because as much involvement he's had in the passing game, that would be my only concern there with with, with Antonio Gibson. Um, other than that, like. That is why, like DeAndre Swift, he's, he's involved in the passing game. Even if they get behind, he's still going to get opportunities as a as a pass catching back. He's the best pass catching back that they have. I wish they would stop giving the fucking ball to Adrian Peterson because Adrian Peterson's fucking washed. Um, I have I just 
it just drives <laughs> me up the fucking wall. But I, I do think DeAndre Swift at 5,400 in, in what is um, one of the best matchups he will uh, will have all year, uh, much like it was against Jacksonville last week. I just think that he's still too cheap for, I think, what the upside is there for him. I definitely agree. And, and I was going to actually mention that when we were talking about Stafford. I think if they do start to integrate Swift a little bit more, then and not and have Adrian Peterson involved less. I think that's a boost to Stafford because Swift is such a much better pass catcher, and they can utilize him in that fashion. And I think that that can, you can even sack Swift with Stafford if you wanted to because of how this week because of how bad Atlanta is at you know defending pass catching running backs. Yeah, I, I like the Swift call for sure. Yeah, no, and, and uh, who was I going to touch on? Uh, Gurley. You talked about Gurley before, Maddie, and I, I think you can play him independent of of the the game scripts too. I mean, how many times have we seen you know teams take advantage of Detroit by getting up that lead because they're able to just you know get out there and move the ball uh, on them? And I'm I'm looking at I was looking at the numbers for Gurley there, and he's seeing nine targets you know over the past two weeks, which you definitely love to see from him. So, you know, are we going to get him out there, you know, in games that matter and not, you know, have to deal with Brian Hill coming in to spell him and all this other bullshit that they're doing? And again, that was with Dan Quinn. He's not the head coach anymore. It's now Raheem Morris. And maybe he has a affinity to Gurley or whatever. But you definitely love to see that in that 6K um, in a game environment that, you know, you want we want to try and get exposure to good game environments, right? So even though I'm not playing Stafford, you know, still getting Galladay exposure, still getting girly exposure. Um, I, I like because they're cheap options for that game. Uh, anybody else that you guys wanted to touch on here? I mean, you know, we, we got Derek Henry, he's at home, but going against Pittsburgh, terrible matchup, but because he just smashed the ownership, ownership will flood there, you know, not for, I'm not saying sharps will go there or anything like that, but just if you're in mass, field tournaments, you know, I'd be interested to see what Derrick Henry's ownership is this week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, even though it's not a good matchup, he is at home um, and in a somewhat competitive game. I think people could try and go back there and try and, you know, catch lightning in a bottle by hitting that again. Um, You know, kind of talk about Miles Sanders ripped off a big run against Steelers and all these other, you know, another player, I think, ripped off a big run against them, too. So they, they have given up some explosive plays. But as far as points and bunches go, they're not. And we do get Josh Jacobs uh, on this on this slate and now i know listen tampa bay's been stout um they're they're tough but gruden it kev you've talked about this at nauseum i feel like with josh jacobs so you're shaking your head i just wanted to touch on the play but they're going to feed this dude you know if they're if they are able to you know move the ball in some capacity i mean we saw it against the patriots with them we've seen it again in other tough matchups that jacobs found himself in uh, where he's still just getting 20 touches at minimum because Gruden just doesn't give a fuck. D Gaff, I know he's our best player, and I want him to get the ball. And so, you know, even even like David Montgomery, you know, on a showdown slate that we weren't – it was a showdown, so definitely a different situation. But 
when they get in the red zone, like Montgomery's the guy. So they were able to feed him. He scored a touchdown. Like the Raiders definitely have chances to get there. I just was, I wanted to bring him up because he is 6,300, kind of finds himself in the mix. I can't do it. Uh, the Bucks have just been so fucking good against running backs this year. They continue to be really good at, you know, against running backs. I just can't do it, especially if, if the Bucks get up early in this game, Josh Jacobs isn't going to be seeing the field as much. What about Ronald Jones? So the, the, this, the, the, the two guys that I, that I was going to bring up was going to be Chris Carson for one at 6,400. Don't get the price. Like it, that is way too cheap for him. Yeah, I agree. He has been a monster this year. I think he's like RB four on the season or something like that in season long formats, like 6,400. He's involved in the passing game. I just don't get it like that. I'm going to have a lot of Chris Carson. And if I'm not game stacking this game, and I don't, I'm not playing Russ or Kyler or something like that. I'm going to have Chris Carson in my lineup because 6,400, it's just entirely too cheap um, for him. The Ronald Jones play, I think, is interesting as well at 6,200. I really want to know if Leonard Fournette is going to be playing because it sounds like he's going to be back in this game. And if he does, that's where I get nervous with, with wanting to play Ronald Jones because, as well, he is not really involved in the passing game. But he's been so damn good as a runner the last two or three weeks. It's, it's hard to deny him of that. But I, I feel like I would be tilting my face off when Leonard Fournette, they go down to the goal line and, and they give Leonard Fournette the goal line carries or something like that. Uh, and playing him at sixty two hundred. So with like Chris Carson, only two hundred dollars more. I, I'll just I'll just find the two hundred dollars and play Chris Carson at sixty four hundred. Who's just going to have the majority of the role there in that backfield versus now? If Leonard Fournette happens to miss, then maybe I would be a little bit more inclined to play Ronald Jones at that price. Other than that, like what about Melvin Gordon at fifty five hundred? The Chiefs have been terrible against running backs this year. Is he playing? Yeah, yeah. yeah he's he, back. It sounds like he's going to play. Yep. So I mean, he missed last because of a strep throat. I wasn't at like uh you know like an injury or anything like that. I just didn't know because of his DUI thing. What they were no, doing. so yeah, so like uh, there's been a lot of people talking about that. Because I mean, Sorry. Lindsay, Lindsay, looked, <laughs> <laughs> the, the Eagles look so yeah. awful. Like, getting into that Eagles game, boy. Philip Lindsay actually looked good last week, so I, I don't know. Yes and no, uh, but like we've seen, like so whenever they were healthy before, Melvin Gordon got the majority of the uh, the touches right, in right. the backfield. I'm just Lindsay. saying, Lindsay definitely puts well, not definitely, but he potentially earned himself more work with how he ran against yes. New England last week. Is I guess the argument that, that so, I make. still at 5,500. The, the 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 big concern would be for Melvin Gordon is if the Chiefs throttle the the Broncos early and, yeah. and get out to an early lead. The, the Melvin Gordon's probably probably dust. So I think in a, a contrarian build, um, you know, having some Melvin Gordon at 5,500 isn't ridiculous because he doesn't need to do a ton to get you there. And the Chiefs, like I said, have been terrible against the run. I'd probably rather just play Swift at 54 or Gibson at 5K if I was going down that low. But I get it. The matchup's good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, um, I wanted to let's see before we move on to wide receivers real quick. I'm I'm looking at the time here. I just want to touch on uh, David Johnson interest at all. Fifty three hundred no. there. No, okay, just one, just one to check. And then uh, Chargers running backs: Justin Jackson, Josh Kelly. I think jo- Justin Jackson was on the injury report. J- Jackson mm-hmm. has been limited both yesterday and today. So okay, if he's so out, he limited. Josh Kelly is going to get all the touches he can handle. Yeah, I, he, he would in. be very interesting against Jacksonville, but at the same time, it would almost make me like Herbert more because I don't, th- I don't think they would just run Kelly thirty times. No, but I think that you could probably lock him in for a pass catching work um, and stuff like that. Why I think Joshua Kelly would actually be pretty interesting because he's what fifty one hundred. Yeah, and playing Jacksonville. Yeah, so it's just a great matchup. 
people aren't going to want to like, I think even if Justin Jackson plays, I still think Josh for Kelly is an interesting play because I, I could see where Justin, uh, Justin Jackson, if he's active or maybe he's limited, he doesn't get as much any opportunities. And the last time they played, obviously it was against new Orleans, totally different matchup. New Orleans is one of the best run defenses in the league. Now you put him against Jacksonville, you know, and he has been involved in the passing. And so I don't think it's a crazy play to play Joshua Kelly um, at, at his price. And I feel, I, I feel like the Jackson thing last game was more of a hot hand kind of deal, right? Because he looked good early, and they just kept feeding him. Yeah. Whereas, and, you know, <laughs> Kelly's, Kelly has eaten into Eckler's workload all year. So, like, Kelly's been the dude other than Eckler, right? So, it's I just – I feel like they just took a hot hand approach. And I'm not – if if Jackson were to be – you know, if they were to say he's active but emergency only or he's out, I it, it would be very hard for me to not play Josh Kelly. Right. That yeah, he will and I saw that he was on the report. I didn't know if he was limited or what, but yeah, that's that would be a very good way to get exposed to that team. Jacksonville. I mean, yeah, that's that's a no brainer. I wanted to touch on those guys before we moved on because I thought they they definitely were important. Um Zach Moss is back, so no Devin Singletary. It doesn't seem like one guy wants to take over that role there. Um going against the Jets, though, it's you know, could be tilting, but not uh not crazy. All right, let's let's talk about this wide receiver here. The wide receiver positions here. We got uh, DeAndre Hopkins at the top as eighty two hundred. Then you got uh, Devonte Adams here seventy nine hundred. Michael Thomas seventy six. Calvin Ridley seventy three. Metcalf seventy two. Julio seventy one. And Diggs seven k. Um, and that rounds up the top price of your wide receivers. Now we have some interesting. Uh, kind of things to unpack here as far as the wide receiver cornerback matchups, right? Because we're, we're going to get Roby on Devonte Adams. We're going to get Alexander on Will Fuller, both of those guys in, in pretty prime spots there. Um, you know, you got uh, Amari Cooper, who's going against Washington, not a good matchup as well, but uh, not in that realm that I'm talking about, but you know, other guys here who are just, you know, Metcalf, Looks like he's in a fantastic spot there going against whoever it is on on the outside to try and stop him for Arizona. Uh, Kev, you talked about it. Michael Thomas being so cheap there um, going against Carolina and DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, my gosh, you know, he it didn't look great against Dallas and he's eighty two hundred. That doesn't make you feel good. But you're looking at what the Seattle secondary has been given up. And goddamn, I mean, it's just whoever's in there, you know, turnstile it up. It's crazy. And it so is. because of the target share that he's getting within this offense, you you definitely have to, you know, have to look at him. Um, so I, I, I want to get your guys' take there on, on the top there. Uh, but outside of them. You know, I talked about Joe Burrow before, so I'm I'm looking at Tyler Boyd here. He's 50, 5,400, and T. Higgins, too, being 5,200, I believe. And uh, the targets have been there for, for Boyd, you know, 8, 6, 8, 13. Um, so I, I think he does definitely have a decent role here. Um, and he's still getting a 20% target share. Um, like I said, eight targets in four of the five, five game, or four of the five pass games. And then the Browns, they've been smashed against slot receivers, you know, except for Juju. Juju is the only one that didn't get there last week. What you doing to me, Juju? But other than that, that uh, slot receivers have really had their way against them. So I do like into some Boyd uh, in that Houston game, you know, okay. So Will Fuller seeing Jair, uh, but then you get Brandon cooks here. Who's come alive since uh, they've made the coaching change and, 
you know, funny that the coach brings him in and then not doing anything with the coach that brings you in. And then he's gone. And now it's free Brandon Cook. So he's definitely popped off the past two weeks. That's interesting. And, and then, you know, on the other side of Detroit, I just want to talk about him. You know, Marvin Jones, he's still seeing snaps. He's still seeing snaps. Atlanta has been getting blown up by the wide receivers one and two all year. It's bang, bang. These guys are just going out there and smashing against them. And it does not make you feel good. They also are getting smashed against tight ends, too. So we could talk about that. But uh, but Marvin Jones, you know, come out and the coaches, the offensive coordinator, Bevel's coming out. He's saying, yeah, you know, uh, Marvin Jones ain't feeling too good this week. You know, we we are trying to try. To, we know he's not getting the ball, but. Uh, you know, we still love him and he's still a great talent. And it could just be one of those things where, okay, so the coaches are talking about it and Marvin Jones is kind of making mention of it. Are they going to try and get him involved? Oh, you know, Kev always talks about me. I love those narrative type of things. So, (laughs) and I've played Marvin Jones a lot this year. So if I do have a Stafford team with Galladay and stuff like that, you better believe in the game environment. I'm going to have some Marvin Jones on there, but I think you, I I couldn't play him as a one-off at all this week, even at his price, you definitely just, play him in that game environment, try and get him. And then before I turn it over to you, Maddie, Valdez Scantling. All right. So this guy, he's coming in at 4,100. And all I'm going to say is Vernon Hargraves on the other side. I mean, that's all you need to say. Hey, that's all you got to say sometimes. Uh, So, you know, a guy that we've attacked definitely over the years in DFS and you're looking at that and, you know, so we like Aaron Rodgers, but, Adams has a tough matchup, you know, Jones is going to be popular and I'm not saying to play MVS as a one-off by any means or, or anything like that. But if you have Aaron Rodgers teams, you know, getting some MVS exposure could be nice there. He doesn't cost you a lot and he should see, you know, some fair work against, against these guys. So I just wanted to bring him up. Maddie, where are you at with wide receiver this week? Uh, so, I mean, you, you touched on all the main guys, especially up top. I just want to touch on four, four guys that I'm looking at. Um, who I think are severely underpriced. Uh, first, Kevin's going to agree. Tyreek Hill against Denver at 6,400 is egregious pricing. Like we know that guy's ceiling. Um, he hasn't smashed yet this year, but it is coming. Uh, especially if, you know, Watkins continues to be banged up. And I'm not sure, Kevin, if you've got an update on whether he's playing or not this week. But um, yeah, I. Hill hasn't gone over 100 yards yet, but they're like he's not going to go the whole season without being over 100 yards. 6,400 is too cheap for a guy who can go for 150 and two touchdowns. Um, I think he's a great play. Uh, Terry McLaurin might be my favorite wide receiver wide receiver of the entire week. Uh, 5,800 against Dallas for a guy seeing over 10 targets a game. Sign me up. That's you know it's really all you need to say about him. Um, Deontay Johnson, if he's back at 4,200, I think that price is way too cheap. Um, I think he's egregiously mispriced down there. Uh, he was over 5k, I think the last couple weeks and before he got hurt. So, and I don't remember, I can't, I think there was a fourth guy, Kev, go ahead. I'll, I'll pop back in if I can remember who it was, but those were the three main guys that, um, that I think are just mispriced this week and are in great spots. I 100% agree on Tyreek, 6,400. He's played well against Denver in, in, in his career. Uh, there's just I'm just not worried about that, that that matchup at all. The dude has 35, 40-point upside when he's on the field. So uh, he has not had a smash game. He's actually been weird this year. Like Usually in years past, it was always like you got a 35-point game from him, 
a 28 point game from him, and then you get like a three point game from him, and then you get another 25 point game. This year, he's just been really steady, getting you about 16 to 20 fantasy points every single week. So he hasn't killed you, even though the weeks that you played him, um, he's been decent, I guess. You know, he's not something that's going to take down a tournament for you, but so yet, but he's also he hasn't killed you either. But 6,400, I just couldn't believe it. Like, I was floored whenever I saw when I saw that price because I'm just that's like, this, I'll take that all day. For Tyreek, um, no, I, I don't think uh, Sammy Watkins. He hasn't practiced each of the first, uh, Wednesday or Thursday. Um, no, I, I don't think Sammy Watkins is going to play. Um, so, but yeah, sixty four hundred. I'm I definitely love that. I love Kenny Galladay against Atlanta, sixty seven hundred. You know, I don't really need to talk about the top guys. I think DK or DK Metcalf and Devontae Adams. People may not be wanting to play Devontae, especially after the kind of the dud that he put up last week, where people were really high on him um, against the Bucks. I think. I think you can probably count on probably 15 targets in this game uh, against Houston. Um, so I know it's, it's a tough pill to swallow to pay 7,900 for a wide receiver, but if I can fit him in, I'm going to find out a way. To, oh, I'm going to figure out a way to get him in there because his target share is so high. Chris Godwin at 6,400. I know that he did not play his normal allotment of snaps last week. He only played like 64% of the snaps. Uh, he still saw seven targets though last week, and he only ran like 25 routes which is uh, down from what he normally has done in the weeks past. He has been limited this week as well with, uh, with um, in practice, but he has practiced both days, and there's been no indication whatsoever by Bruce Arians that he's not going to play. But 6,400, Chris Godwin is, again, just way too cheap. I wasn't really expecting you know, obviously him to be on the slate, but now that he is at 6,400, it's really, really hard not to not to want to play Chris Godwin at sixty four hundred dollars. Um, I, I think last week was a little bit of a fluke, especially once they got up pretty big. Um, you know, on the Packers, I don't think they really needed to. If I'm paying down this kind of middle tier, I think Keenan Allen at 6,200 against the Jags. If the Jags can even keep this game somewhat close, I think he uh, is in a is in a fantastic spot against the Jaguars. DJ Moore, we've already talked about at 5,600. That's entirely too cheap. Um, I really like Brandon Cooks at 5,200 um, against Green Bay. I like him more than Will Fuller, and I think more people want to play Will Fuller, but that matchup. Uh, against Jair Alexander, especially if, if Alexander is going to shadow him. Um, I think that is something that I just can't do. I do think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with John Brown because it doesn't sound like he's going to play. Uh, he is pretty banged up. He's kind of been yeah. gutting through it. I, I, I see Gabe Davis, have, right? Oh, damn. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Gabriel Davis, I think, is somebody that I think people should be kind of taking a look at uh, if John Brown is out because he's kind of had to, ha- had a couple decent games this year, and without John Brown, you know, he is kind of you know, I guess, I guess the uh, I guess the Jets not something people should really be all that concerned. And he's only thirty six hundred dollars. It's a good matchup. Week three, he had twelve point one, and then week five, he had ten point eight. Last week, he only had one target, but. Week five, he had nine targets. He had four targets. Week three, I guess the only concern here with him would be: Do the Jets need somebody like Gabriel Davis this week to be able to just crush the Jets? And probably the answer to that is probably no. But they've they've come out and really thrown the ball in a lot of times that I just didn't think they, you know, in years past the the Bills have always been such a a run heavy offense and they just really haven't been that this year. Even in games that they they've kind of smashed and they've still threw the ball a ton. So thirty six hundred dollar Gabe Davis. If John Brown is out, which it does not sound like he's going to play, I, I think that if you're going to want to pay down for a wide receiver, I think that is a good uh, good spot to go to. Um, other than that, I think Tim Patrick against Kansas City. Uh, Kansas City's uh, secondary is uh, pretty suspect um, right now. Mm-hmm. 
And so I, I do think that Tim Patrick, who quietly um, has played pretty well uh, in the opportunities have been given, they, they don't have a ton of wide receivers right now there in, in Denver. But, I mean, his last three games he's played, he 14.3, 26.3, and 17.1 against New England. $4,600, I think that's ridiculous. I think he probably should be in the 5K range. Um, and being down at 4600 with the amount of targets that he's seeing as well uh, over these last two weeks, he's eclipsed 100 yards in each of those games. He has two touchdowns in each of the last three. Um, so I'm surprised Tim Patrick is this low, and I hope there's no ownership on him because I'm, again, probably going to have 50 to 60% uh, of Tim Patrick just because I think they're going to have to 50 to 60? I th- oh, my I th- goodness. I think this is a fantastic Tim Patrick spot. Uh, okay, the Chiefs Kevin. defense has not has not been great, um, especially their pass defense. I like Tim Patrick. 50 to 60 is probably high. Uh, I, I probably should have said like that's too high. That's I should have, I should have said probably. I think 30 percent probably. There we go. Probably, there we go. That makes was, me was probably make more sense. Um, <laughs> but I really like Tim Patrick. Uh, I'm gonna have a lot of them. And then, are you guys gonna play AJ Green, or do you think what last week happened was, oh, was a fluke? I don't know. I haven't decided. It it makes me sick because I do like Joe Burrow teams, but I'm just looking at T Higgins and and Boyd and I mean forget it. <laughs> Green volume's been there all year. He just finally did something with it. Right. <clears throat> I don't know like, if it was it like motivation for him. Cause like it feels like because earlier in the year, like it just really didn't feel like he wanted to be there. Like there was times that he just seemed like he took a playoff. Right. And like it was just like, ah, oh, whatever. Like the the one that they I airmailed it over his head. Like he didn't even try to jump for it. He just kind of like you saw him on the sidelines saying, Why don't they just trade me? And right. then afterwards, they kind of come out and said that, you know, he, he said that, no, he doesn't want to be traded. He wants to stay here in Cincinnati. Now, was that just something? Because A.J. Green is not the type of guy that come out to the media and be like a diva or anything. Like, it's just not his style. Um, I mean, too, it could be, you know, he was off for over a year and they had no preseason. So, like, you know, you spend the first month, five weeks, yeah. you know, getting back into game shape and getting building some rapport with a, a rookie quarterback. Like maybe they're just now figuring it out. Like maybe we've written AJ Green off too early, and we need to not. Maybe. And w- Will's right. La- he yeah he will he asked us last week about AJ Green. We all laughed at him. So he's just- <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Oh, and man, he was like thirty nine hundred too. That's the show jinx right there. That's the show jinx. But he's yeah. gonna go back to dust now. He he's done. He did what he needed to do. He just wanted to show people that he still got it. And then you could go ahead back to that casket. You dust. You done so. Man, I don't know, man. The volume's been there. Like, and they just keep throwing to him, and they keep throwing deep to him. And like, if he catches his passes, he smashes forty three hundred price tag, especially against Cleveland. Forty three hundred. Oh god. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Like look he's gonna into get that. targets, right? And most of them are gonna be down the field. Yeah, yeah. Not every like, game, I though. Like game. I like Burrow. I like a Burrow stack there. They are. They're on the thirty yard line. Interesting. Oh, <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> Uh, I did. I did want to talk about. Uh, I can't even believe I didn't bring him up. But Terry McLaurin, you know, I know you talked about Gibson and running back section, Maddie. But you're we're looking at Dallas. I mean, 29th in receiving points allowed to wide receiver ones, um, allowing a hundred yard games to wide receiver ones and bunches. He's fifth in the league in targets, has at least seven in all six of the games. He's played in. He's running the most routes. I mean, like, and, you know, it's not Dwayne Haskins, his college teammate. It's Kyle Allen out there. So, you know, take take it with a grain of salt. But, you know, you're looking at 
at least recently, and Kyle Allen loves him. You know, I mean, everybody does it. Who's quarterback and for Washington, they're like, this is the only guy who could go out there. I mean, you're looking at, you know, Steven Sims, Isaiah Wright, Logan Thomas. These are not names that <laughs> should, should be on the field with him, right? So he should be getting all the work. And, and I mean, it is going against this Dallas secondary. I mean, they just got, you know, if Hopkins, if Kyler was able to hit Hopkins, you know, in stride or early on that game would have been torched. Kirk torched them. Isabella got loose on them. Uh, I mean, they're just giving up so many points to wide receivers. So uh, McLaurin's my favorite wide receiver play, I think, of the week at 5,800. Um, point, yeah, point per dollar. Popping in air yards, too. So you definitely, definitely love to see that. So I yeah. want to make sure. And he's going, I looked at the first uh, run of ownerships, and he's going, the Washington offense is going overlooked. Both him and Gibson are projected around 7% owned right now. So. I think uh, if that's the case, I will not have a team without Terry McLaurin on it. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, all right, let's let's move on to tight end so we can get into defense, get into our DFS bills, and put a bow bow on this podcast. Um, so tight end this week, uh, we got George Kittle at the top. 6,500. We got Kelsey at the top, 6,300. Waller back on the slate. It wasn't on there, you know, to start the week, but now he's on there, uh, 6,100. And then all the way down, you got TJ Hawkinson uh, going against Atlanta. Atlanta just been crucified by tight ends, it seems like, on the season. He's 50, he's 5,000 flat. Uh, can Matthew Stafford find him in the end zone? That will be the question because I've played Hawkinson a lot this year and interception in the end zone to Hawkinson Hawkinson drop in the end zone or you know throwing at his feet so frustrating but uh you know I'm interested to hear where you guys are tied in because this has kind of been one of those positions at least the past two weeks where we're looking at it and we're like okay you know I, I guess we play Mark Andrews with his you know limited share because he's at the top that was last week and so many things were dusty you know Burton and Irv Smith chalk and things like that which you know ended up coming to fruition but you're looking at this week and now it gets a little bit more interesting because you're you know you got Hunter Henry 4,500 uh Gronk came alive he's now on the slate at 4,600 I think he'll get some ownership Johnny Smith was looking banged up uh now he's back uh full practice today off of the ankle he's 4,700 against Pittsburgh Noah Fant, he's back, 4,800 against KC. Um, and, you know, we, they just try to get Albert Oh, the guy from Mizzou. Kev, you know Mizzou. Uh, get go, get him going in what was ridiculous usage in the in the red zone and end zone targets, four end zone targets, I think, for him. So uh, tight end's very interesting this week. But for me, it comes down to really, I, I mean, I'm trying to find ways where I can get Travis Kelsey in. I, I'm looking at his numbers. I know he's 6,300, but – on builds, especially in single entries, I, I'm I'm coming up with builds that are giving me, you know, cash that I can spend if I'm paying down at defense. And we'll talk about that soon. And you're looking at the numbers in his career that he's had against Denver and it it just comes to fruition. And, you know, look at his price right over over the course of the, the year so far in DraftKings. So starts up the season at 7K. 17 DK points, 7K, 24 DK points, 7,500, 14 DK points, 6,500, 10, 64, 27, 69, 22. And now they drop his price in a plus matchup to 63. And he's been getting there, you know, at those prices before. So, uh, you know, I, I, I hate to say that, you know, we're chasing 
with him, and, and you guys talked about it, Tyreek Hill in a good matchup. He's underpriced. He's on the road. Tyreek Hill on the road. He's he's definitely popped off a time or two. So maybe he gets the work. But Mahomes this season has just been looking for Kelsey so much um, in this offense. Everything just seems to flow through him. I mean, you're looking at these no less than six targets a game, seven targets, 12 targets, seven, seven, 14. It's just ridiculous the amount of work that he's seeing. And then you got New England with George Kittle and George Kittle in the same position, but New England's holding tight ends, you know, and, and Waller did get there off of off of production, but um, to a certain extent. But, you know, I think they'll be able to hold Kittle. It really just comes down to Kelsey and Hawkinson for me that I'm looking at and and. Maybe you guys have some other stuff down here below, like a Dalton Schultz or Austin Hooper or Hunter Henry or John New or Fayant. So talk to me about it. Kev, you go ahead. I think if you're going to play Kelsey, I love Kelsey too because he has smashed the Broncos in his career. I think he's gotten like, I think he's averaging 78 receiving yards and a touchdown a game, I think is what it is. It's something like that. Uh, it's right. ridiculous. But the thing with Kelsey, if you're going to play Kelsey, like, I have I I you, you should never play Kelsey and Tyreek in the same lineup. Um, they, it's always one of them smashes and the other one doesn't. I don't think there's ever been a game where both of them have just crushed. Right? It, it's kind of one or the other. It's, is it a Travis Kelsey game or is it a Tyreek game? Yep. And I th- I think that's kind of how I always look at it. Uh, you could obviously always play him at sixty three hundred dollars. I don't hate that price. I think he probably should be uh, priced up more than that. To be honest with you, especially as well as he's been playing. And the crazy part is now he's actually getting touchdowns. Years past has kind of always been something that he's never really done. He's never he's he's never been a huge touchdown guy. He usually gets you like five to seven touchdowns every year, but he's already got five through six games. So uh, I think that's been pretty encouraging. See, sixty three hundred. I don't hate that, but I love T.J. Hawkinson this week going against Atlanta. He's five, he's only five k. Uh, the Falcons have given up the third most fantasy points to the position or DK points. And he's, they've also given up the most uh, touchdowns to tight end. Um, they've just been terrible against the tight end position. So um, I, I do like TJ Hawkinson quite a bit. And then, you know, past that, uh, I really, I still like Hayden Hurst on the other side of that game at 4,400. He kind of had a pretty solid bounce back game last week. And then Dalton Schultz at 3,900 is just entirely too cheap. You know, it was nice to see him kind of bounce back last week. Um, you know, w- with Andy Dalton in the lineup, I didn't know how that was really going to work out for him. I mean, he had five targets in that game, four for 35. You know, if he could find the end zone, let's be honest, most of these tight ends that you're pretty happy if they give you anything over double digit fantasy points. So I think a $3,900 Dalton Schultz, uh, can certainly get there. And I think for me, like that is probably like the list. Like I, I would love to play Drew Sample against Cleveland because Cleveland's been atrocious against tight ends too. I, I just, I think you're, uh, I think that's a little bit too thin, especially considering outside of really Jacksonville, he's got no targets. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe you, we can feel comfortable with that, but I can't, I can't play him. I can't play him. He's dead to me. Uh, Maddie, where, where are you leaning this week? Um, I'll just add one guy on top of the guys you've already talked about. Cause I, I really do like Hawkinson and Kelsey. Um, if I'm paying up, but I think Austin Hooper's a great play at 4K against Cincy. Um, his target share of the last three games has gone up, and he's seen yep. seven, ten, and six targets in the last three. Um, he's gonna. I think he's got a good shot to catch a touchdown in this one, which is what I hunt for value tight ends. Um, reason, big reason I played Darren Fells last week. So, you know, I think you know, I like I said, I'm I like that 
Cincinnati Cleveland game, um, especially if you're playing Joe Burrow, I think Hooper and Kareem Hunt makes a ton of sense for runbacks on the other side. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yo, you, I love Hooper. I mean, Stefanski, he's the tight end guy. I mean, we that's why people were drafting him where he was getting drafted in, in their redraft leagues, and it just wasn't coming yeah, to fruition. They paid him a lot of money, right? So you might as well. Right. Use- <laughs> like no, exactly. A and, ridiculous deal. No, for sure. And and you know, uh, we can talk about. We didn't touch on it, but Jarvis Landry dealing with. He says he's dealing with a broken hip that he's been dealing with all year. So he's banged up. Uh, OBJ's been in and off of the on and off of the injury report too. So uh, you know, they, he might be one of their only healthy bodies there receiving the ball. Um, let's close it out with the defense, fellas. And my oh my, is defense. Something to look at this week. Uh, Bills priced up at 4700 going against the Jets. I guess the Miami Dolphins putting up whatever it was, 19 points, uh, makes them want to price up the Bills close to 5 k on DraftKings this week. So there you go. Uh, Bills, at, <laughs> Bills at the highest price of 4700 uh, Chiefs, surprisingly to me, came in at 4300 going against Denver. I guess they're expecting Locke to struggle here in the home matchup there against the Chiefs and not really be able to do much. Uh, and then we start to get in the 4K range of the prices where we're seeing with the Bucks uh, going against uh, the Raiders, Patriots against San Fran at home, 3900 But I'm I, I'm really – the two defense I'm looking at, and I'll toss it over to you, Maddie. Uh, Chargers at home against Jacksonville, 3400 uh, yes, please give me that if I can fit that. But then cheaply, uh, let's scroll down twenty five hundred to the Washington football team going against Andy Locked Dalton. I mean, if you need salary relief now, here, so here's the thing, and I think people will look at this and they'll see. Okay, so Washington faced the Giants last week, four points. Rams two points. Baltimore four points. Cleveland one point. Arizona four points. But look at what the defenses are doing. Is scratch all that who they're facing and look at what defenses facing the Cowboys, you know, the past two weeks are doing here, you know, wrecking, wrecking them up. The offensive line is all banged up. Zach Martin left last week. We don't know if he's going to be playing. So these are all backups going against a, a defensive line that loves to get pressure and can get pressure. And that's what they do. And Andy Dalton has not looked great this year under pressure. So we could get some, you know, some sacks going there. Love that. Those are that stuff that you can predict, right? Is that okay? They get pressure, so that could lead to sacks. Get us some points there. If he makes the turnover, we're feeling good about that. And they're twenty five hundred at home. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know if anything else needs to be said other than that. Maddie, where you at for defense this week? Washington, lock them in. Move it on. Let's go. <laughs> Kev, Terrible. where you at with defense? Terrible. Yeah, I, I don't even understand. Like, if they were two K, I would get it. But why not just play the Browns, who who have uh, been one of the best pass rushers, uh, you know, uh, defenses in all of football? They have fourteen sacks on the year. They've had multiple sacks in almost every game. They had the ability to turn the football over. Going against Joe Burrow, like, uh, like I, I don't know. They're only twenty eight hundred, three hundred dollars more. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I get the call and I understand, it, especially against Andy Dalton. I, I don't know. Like, uh, I, I don't love it. If they were 2K, they were still minimal. Okay. I could, I could, I could, I could vibe with you there. But at 28, if I can get another defense at 3K more or $300 more in the Browns, uh, I'm going to lock that in all day. No. It, and I have a feeling, I, I have a feeling if people are going to pay down at time, uh, people are going to pay down at defense, it's going to be Washington, just like you guys talked about. And I think they're not going to, I think they're going to be too high owned and uh, for, for me to, to, to get in with that. I, I hear you, Kevin, and that's fair. I will say, though, I'm looking at the numbers here for, for Cleveland. I mean, and this is ridiculous, like two interceptions against Indy, an interception against Dallas, three interceptions against the Washington 
D and then two fumble recoveries or defensive for, force fumbles uh, in week four and week three. Like that's crazy to, to try and predict that happening. And the fact that they're doing that like in bunches this year it is really crazy. They just faced Pittsburgh and I'm not saying, I'm not going to compare Joe Burrow led offense to Pittsburgh, but you know, one against Pittsburgh, five against Dallas. Um, so I, I mean, I don't, and that was with Dak too, not with, not with Dalton. So um yeah, I mean, it, I, they're I only like, 300 more, so I guess yeah. if you can fit them, it, it makes sense. But they yeah. are on the road. Washington is at home. That makes yeah, me no, feel a little bit comfortable. Are, um, that's a fine play. I I can get on board with that play. I just think I think Washington's got one of the best front sevens in the you know in the entire league. Like they've they're just loaded with first round picks who can get after the quarterback. I know they haven't really racked up the sacks, but the talent is there. Um, and they showed it in the first week. I think they sacked Carson Wentz like eight times or something ridiculous, but. So, I mean, facing, like Ryan said, facing a mix. Some of that was with uh, I mean, Chase Young, right? Chase Young's not playing, right? He's, he's out, right? Right, but they're still loaded. They still got, like, Montez Sweat and all these other guys that are in there. But, like, you're facing a Dallas offensive line that doesn't have any of their starters that they started with at the beginning of the year. They're missing all five starters. And it's Andy Dalton, too, who looked absolutely horrendous against Arizona last week. And Arizona grades out as one of the worst pass-rushing defenses in the entire league. And they were consistently getting pressure on Andy Dalton because of mainly because of that offensive line is so banged up that they have no starters. So uh, yeah, I think Cowboys on the road in Washington with that pass rush that Washington can generate. Um, yeah. At yeah. 2,500, if you've got the extra 300, I'm fine with playing the Browns. If Washington's going to be chalk, which they very well could be. Um, I would again. It goes back to I wouldn't blow up your build. Like if you're got 100 left over, or 200 left over, I wouldn't just blow up your build and make a completely new team just to change your defense. No, for sure. Well, yeah, if, if that's the spot you're at, like I get it. Like if you can't get to the Browns at 2800, fine. Like I, I understand that. But if I have enough and I have to make a decision between the Browns and, and Washington, it's going to be the Browns all, all day. I can get. Um, I get it. And I, I am so here for whatever Andy Dalton just uh, drops 300, uh, three touchdowns against his defense because <laughs> you know I think we all forgot about the primetime narrative of uh, of Andy Dalton last week. You know uh, he's terrible in primetime games, but they have the weapons to torch this Washington football team. So. Um, I, I know things aren't looking great now, but and I, and I respect the fact that they are missing some of their pieces along the offensive line and things of that nature. So I understand that. And I don't give a shit if it's on the road or their home. I mean, it's not like there's fans in the, in the stadium. So I don't really think home field advantage really counts anymore. So we can kind of throw that out of the window a little bit, in my opinion. I mean, what, what does it matter uh, other than the fact that you're traveling, I guess. But uh, so, yeah, I, for me, if it comes down to it and I, I have the money for both, I'm taking the Browns all day. Yeah. I mean, and there and will be something to monitor there because I, I was put up Will's post there and asking, do you need to be contrarian at D? And it's not so much that you need to be contrarian at, at defense. I mean, if, if defense is just so volatile that like, you know, 10%, 15%, that makes you feel okay. But like if we see Washington coming in at 20%, 25%, like 30%, that's where like it just doesn't make sense to then play them because if every if everybody on the field is on them and like Kev's saying, or a third of the field is on them, and like Kev's saying, Andy Dalton does go out there and, and do something against them, like you're going to be that – that much higher over the field if you like if kept saying play pay three hundred dollars more for for the browns there or maybe the Bengals at the same price you know if they're not be if they're being overlooked in a home matchup against cleveland and everybody's writing baker off like there does make you know 
making a small pivot like that um, could could be, you know, a change of 10 points, seven points if it's a defensive touchdown. Uh, so you don't really need to get contrarian, so to speak, but just by just maybe taking the second highest on defense, third highest on defense, um, that could set you up in a good spot there. Let's see. Uh, any? I don't think there's any last questions here that I wanted to get to before we get into our DFS build of the week here. So let's go in. Let's get it started. I'm pulling it up here. We're in the $5 tournament single entry there. I believe it's the huddle on DraftKings. Let's get it going here. Pull it up. Thank you guys so much for joining us. DJ Nation Pod. You can find us on Twitter at DJ Nation Pod. DJ Nation Podcast is what you're listening to. Ryan Alexander underscore W. Kevin Steele at Fantasy Route 13. Maddie D at Maddie DFS. Guys, let's get into this build here. Um, and I think it's been a while since I've started off a build. So I'm going to get in here, start off the build, and I'm going to put in Terry McLaurin at 5,800. I like that a lot. He's my favorite wide receiver. Let's see. What, let's see what we can do there. Uh, Kev, what say you? I'm gonna go Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones, love that. Seventy-two hundred for AJ. So following along with our build, Aaron Jones, Terry McLaurin. That's fifty-two eighty-five per player left. Maddie, what say you? Kareem Hunt. Oh shit. Okay. Open it up a little bit. I hate being the one to pick the quarterback. Well, I like to let you guys do that. You know what? I am gonna pick the quarterback, and I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm going to say we play Rodgers at 7K. I mean, if Aaron, if Aaron Jones is getting there, he's going to he's going to at some point see re- receiving work here, I feel like. I think well, absolutely. Yeah, it usually comes with Devontae. Yeah, but it usually comes when Devontae Adams is off the field, when he receives a, like a ton of, of receiving work is whenever, whenever Devontae Adams is out. There were a couple of games last year. I feel like where that that wasn't the case. I, I'm not, I don't know off the top of my hand, Kev, but I know he did have you know the seventy yard games, 150 yards, which is crazy. You can't predict that. But he, I mean, there's there's him. There's Valdez Scantling. Tanyan's on the injury report, and then there's Adams. I mean, the the you know where the ball is going here. So I mean, the I mean, I love Kyler. I I do love Kyler too, but. Um, I think you can try and get all the points here. We'll see how the build goes, but I do think you can try and get all the Green Bay points by playing these two guys together. But we, you know, we all, we always make pivots at the end. So go ahead with your pick, Kev, and we'll see where the build leads us. Well, I guess let's lock in uh, Brandon Cooks. Throw in MVS too. I played I played MVS last week against Tampa Bay. I think this is a great spot to get back to the well. I love I love that and. Uh, you know, I, I I would like to I, – I do love Galladay in this matchup here, and so if we're not going to have Galladay, then I think we got to put Hawk at tight end. Somebody's got to – somebody's got to score for Detroit, hopefully. That's not Swift or Galladay or Jones. If you go uh, – and then to close it out, if you go Washington defense, you can fit Tyreek Hill at flex. I don't know if that's what Kev wants to do, but that option is there. Otherwise, you're looking at Browns and 6,100. And that's that's just enough salary there. For, it's, yeah, it zeroes it out. So you're looking you know. at Browns and probably a Robbie Anderson, Todd Gurley type. Chris Carson, oh. I'm gonna lock in at the flex. Sixty, same price, sixty four hundred. Okay, yeah, can do that too. Carson and Gurley. I mean, Carson and Tyree Killer both sixty four hundred, and play Washington defense. I, I'm yeah. So team right now. Go I ahead. think Carson makes a ton of sense. Like you definitely want a piece of that Seattle Arizona game, right? And he's the cheapest, right, of all the studs outside of Christian Kirk, who's not really a stud. He's just a good value. 
Yeah, 6,400. Like I said, Arizona ranks like – I think they've given up the second most receiving yards to running backs. Love I it. Like that. I, mean, I like that a lot. So the team, it's $0 left on the slate. We got Aaron Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, the Aarons are going to lead us to the promised land. Kareem Hunt, Terry McLaurin, uh, Brandon Cooks, Valdez Scantling, Hawkinson, Carson, Washington football team. That's $0 left. That's in the $5 huddle. We're entering that in. And – we're gonna put a bow on. We're gonna put a bow on week seven, guys. How we how we feeling about this slate? It's Thursday night now, but the builds are gonna be happening. Hopefully, we don't get any crazy news of any uh, games being affected. It seems like you know everybody's doing their part in the testing and everything like that. Uh, you guys got any last words for the people before we sign off? Late night hammer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. I love this slate. Uh, I've loved it since the beginning. Uh, since uh, Monday, yeah. I've loved it. So Since the inception. Since the inception. <laughs> especially with the game that it is. A, you know, it's not like some shit, shit game. You know, if it was like the Raiders and Bucks game, I wouldn't be nearly excited about it. Right. As the late night hammer. Now, the best game on the slate is the last game on the slate. And I, I, do, th- I do think there is something to be said there with people, how people – uh, mind think and try to and not necessarily wanting to stack this game because of it's the late game um, because people want to see that green early yeah. and then you start to yep. tilt your fucking head off yep. uh, if you're sitting there waiting and you have all these play, you know and stuff like that to see how things are going to turn and there's going to be people too that played well, that, that fade this game and do that and then they're going to be sitting there thinking oh hell yeah things are looking good until fucking Russ and Kyler fucking light it up and uh, you're just <laughs> <laughs> fucking flying down the fucking board. So uh, I am looking forward to this week. And I think finally getting the, you know, the Sunday night game back on the main slate is fucking amazing. So uh, that's so nice. I hated it whenever they took it away. Um, and now that it's back, I, I know it's probably just a one week thing, but uh, it's awesome that, that, that DraftKings actually kept it on there. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to put a bow on week seven. That's going to do it for the week seven DraftKings breakdown from the DGen Nation podcast. The DGen Nation pod, like I said, is where you can find us on Twitter. Thank you guys so much for joining in on us, listening in, uh, tuning in. If you're watching on YouTube, Periscope, Twitch, really appreciate that, guys. Make sure you're rating and reviewing the podcast on your podcast software and liking and commenting, reviewing the show, subscribing to the channel on YouTube for sure. Uh, so that you guys can get all this content and make sure you guys are checking out what the redraft guys are, are doing over there. If you, I see some people asking their, their redraft fantasy questions in the chat here. And although this is a DraftKings uh, DFS pod, you know, we try and get to you guys and the guys are doing a great show on Wednesdays. Every Wednesday, you can see the fantasy authority podcast do a weekly start sit, start sit show um, where they can talk all about that. That's a tongue twister. It gets me every time, but uh we appreciate all you guys who've been rocking out with us all year. Uh, reach out to us, any one of the three of us or the DJ Nation pod. If you guys went in on the Slack chat, uh, we're usually talking processes in there, talking the showdown slates like w- with tonight, uh, Eagles and Giants game, talking about, you know, the afternoon slates. Um, anything that you guys want answered, it can be found in that Slack chat, Dynasty, Redraft, um, DFS, anything like that. So reach out to us. You want in on that. But that's going to do it for week seven. Uh, signing off for the Godfather, Kevin Steele at Fantasy Route 13. Signing off for Maddie D Moneybags at Maddie DFS. I'm Ryan Alexander underscore W on Twitter. And we will catch you guys next week for week eight. Until then, we hope to see you guys on those leaderboards. Get that money. Thanks, y'all. Have a good one. You think you can tell me what to do? 